live from Washington, D.C. every Wednesday from 3 to 4 p.m. for an hour-long Generation Progress takeover. Check us out at genprogress.org or on Twitter at genprogress. Hello and welcome to the Generation Progress takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm your co-host, Brent J. Cohen. And I'm Charlotte Hancock. So thanks for joining us in the uh, midst of impeachment news, buzz, clamor, important, incredible hearings that hopefully everybody is watching except for this one hour when you tune in <laughs> to the Generation Progress Takeover. Um, obviously, there's huge things and uh, just historic things happening today and yesterday and last week. Um, and you know what? Maybe you're sick of those. So we have a different topic for you. We have a different topic. <laughs> if you are tired of listening to impeachment news, we have something totally different for you right. today. This is going to recharge and re-energize you as you think about how to make movements in the progressive space. So we are we are talking today about literally, quite literally the young people, right? When we're talking about um, how we invest in, develop the leadership of this next generation of progressive voices and progressive leaders, and specifically um, talking about something that happened earlier today when people peacefully gathered in Freedom Plaza in Washington, D.C. to call on employers to end the practice of unpaid internships. Um, I'm sure many of you can relate. I can speak from personal experience. When I was in college and, and soon after college, I was not in a position to take unpaid internships. I just didn't have that luxury, unfortunately. And so what that meant is there were certain opportunities that uh, were just automatic no's for me. Uh, and I know that that's true for thousands upon hundreds of thousands of young people around the country, um, where unfortunately great opportunities that they would otherwise have access to just aren't feasible because they might be unpaid internships. Um, and we know having prior internship experience is so critical for young people who are job searching, right? That is, like, it's not just enough to have gone to college or it's not just enough to have uh, gone to high school. It's what job experience and what opportunities did you have while you were in those places? Um, and so lack of access to unpaid internships, unfortunately, can have uh, impacts that go beyond the internship experience into the job search process. Um, and so this ultimately leaves young people who can't afford to take on in unpaid internship at a, at a major disadvantage for some years into the, the early part of their career. So to dive deeper into this issue that affects so many people, we are joined today by two change makers, two young people who are doing this work, two people who are interns here in Washington, D.C. right now. Uh, Griffin Saul, who is the uh, also the co-founder and CEO of We Are Able, which is a, uh, an organization, and hopefully we'll get to talk a, a bit about that as well, even though we're primarily talking about unpaid internships today, and Jalen Hutchison. So really excited to have you both uh, with us here in studio, excited for the work that you all are doing, and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you yeah, for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. Awesome. So uh, to start us off, uh, Griffin, can you share a little bit about your background and, and like how you came into advocacy to begin with? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I mean, advocacy was really kind of instilled, instilled in me with a, from a pretty young age. Uh, my father was diagnosed with advanced multiple sclerosis before I was born. Um, as a result of that, I never had the opportunity to see him walk. So kind of growing up with these microaggressions of not being able to eat at a restaurant without worrying about ADA compliance um, or being able to go to a sports game without uh, sitting in the, in the accessible section really engendered me to, to get involved um, and you know, volunteer with disadvantaged communities because I felt that I was able to empathize and connect with them in ways that others weren't. Uh, when I got to high school, he fell increasingly ill due to his disease um, and ended up going into a two-year battle for his life that he lost my junior year on December 4th of 2015. Um, and that was a stake in the ground for me where I knew I had to do something to not only carry on his legacy, but create a more accepting and inclusive world um, for everyone. 
Wow. Thanks for uh, thanks for sharing such a personal story with us and inspiring to hear how you've um, translated that experience into advocacy to to really improve the world, not just for yourself, but for, for others, those you know and those you don't. Yeah, I mean, a quote I live by, which I got from my dad, was like that you either define your fate or you're defined by it. Um, and we have a choice when we're faced with obstacles and barriers to either let that define the person we're going to be or, or use it to overcome and catalyze change. Wow. Thank you. So, uh, Jalen, turning to you, I, I want to hear how you got into advocacy and then want to follow up with both of you guys about how 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 that advocacy path has translated into the work you're doing now with uh, with Interns for Change and um, focusing on the pay your interns work that you guys are doing. Definitely. Um, so I went to a very I went to an arts high school in a very urban area and so uh, I had the privilege to be around just a ton of different types of people from a ton of different backgrounds and um, being a black person I kind of got the opportunity to exchange experiences and learn a lot about different um, plights in America and I took this class in my senior year at University of Washington Seattle that was about uh, human trafficking and we learned about that in Southeast Asia in high school and that was such a impactful thing for me that when I got to college and I found out about this student organization called United Students Against Sweatshops or USAS, um, I joined that club and went to national conferences and met so many passionate, passionate, passionate people. It was really inspiring to me. Um, I pivoted that into an internship with um, AFSME, the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees. And in that internship, it was paid and it was all about workers' rights and um, the different impacts of labor and wage theft in American society. And uh, yeah, I ended up uh, partnering with Griffin and we did the Pay Our Interns, uh, Interns for Change movement initiative. So you're both, um, just to give folks a little bit of background on like where you're at right now, you're both interning in D.C. Um, right now, this, uh, not, I guess, semester for some interns, but not for y'all because you both graduated or? No, we're actually both in both college. Both still in yes. college. Okay, got I'm a, it. I'm a junior at Tufts University. Okay. And I'm a senior at Gonzaga University. Okay, great. So you're here uh, during your semester of college and you're both doing unpaid Internships. So, how has having an unpaid internship really um, driven your decision to sort of like start this um, this organization and like go into this advocacy? Yeah, I mean, so when I found out my internship was unpaid, um, kind of two things hit me in the face. The first was this sucks because uh, I'm just taking the financial burden of paying for my own meals, um, you know, traveling around, trying to enjoy myself, but also like trying to advance my professional career. Uh, but the latter fact was that I was in a unique position of privilege to be able to accept an unpaid position, um, a reality that's just simply not the same for so many other young Americans. Um, so with those two things in mind, I was like, I need to try and do something to create a more equitable pathway for my peers and fellow young people, um, and that really kind of stemmed the thought food or thought baby for um, interns for change. For sure. Um, for me, I um, I have worked really hard and I've saved up a lot of money, and um, gratefully, uh, my family has helped me a lot uh, in my time in DC. But I've still had to take weekend jobs and side jobs, and there's this website called Quad Jobs actually that you can work like side jobs on while you're in college that has flexible schedules. But um, it's been really difficult with school, work, my internship, and just balancing all of that together. Um, and so when Griffin came to me with the idea, 
I was really excited to get involved and yeah. Yeah. So I want to I want to know how you how you two met and sort of started to to come together with this idea of sort of getting engaged on it. But before we do, I just want to like pause for a second and there's so much narrative out there about Gen Z and millennials being apathetic and these generations don't care and we're entitled so lazy. and we're so lazy. <laughs> we want stuff handed to us. You just talked about being in school, having an internship, working side jobs like this this is this is the landscape that we inherited that we were given that was told like we're basically going to get free labor off of you through unpaid internships and the reality of the situation is we've got young folks out here you two included on the grind to to do all of this internship school side jobs and also recognize that this isn't the way it should be so we're also going to dedicate ourselves to advocacy to make things better for ourselves and right. the next generation started an organization on top of the rest <laughs> So, so how did how did the uh, how did we've got just about a minute here, and then we want to hear more about it on the back end. But how did this idea, like, how did that conversation start between you two? Yeah, I mean, so Jay and I we're doing the same program in in DC, uh, and I knew, you know, you can't do a movement like this alone. You need people to help you. You need people to support you. So, um, I was looking around for like who I think would be good and dedicated and passionate about this. Um, and Jay and I are in one of the same classes, uh, and he he mentioned to me that he was in comms. Um, and he had a background in, in doing this type of stuff, and it just, like, the light bulb went off, um, and I just pitched it to him, uh, and I guess I was a good enough salesman to, to get him to, to sign on and, and, and help out with this. Down. <laughs> <laughs> and And here you are, you're leading, you're leading uh, 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 get-togethers in Washington, D.C., and on national radio talking about the work that you all are doing. So when we come back right after this, we're going to hear more from, uh, from Jay and Griffin about the work they're doing with Interns for Change uh, on the Generation Progress Takeover, the Leslie Marshall Show. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. Welcome back to the Generation Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I am your co-host, Charlotte Hancock. And I'm Brent J. Cohen. Um, and today uh, we are talking to the two awesome founders, co-founders of... Um, uh, uh, interns for change. Pay our, pay our interns. Well, interns, interns for change, for change. Interns for change. which is An a part initiative of pay our, pay our interns. interns. Of interns. <laughs> yeah, we we got the order figured out uh, eventually. Um, so we're talking to Griffin Saul here in the studio and Jalen Hutchinson. Um, and so uh, over the break, we were talking a little bit about like some of the negative effects of unpaid internships on um, like on Gen Z and millennials, there are, there are short-term negative impacts. There are long-term negative impacts. Like this could have, like some of these things price people out kind of for the rest of their lives, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, can you dig in a little bit on that for me? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so this just simply disp- disproportionately affects, you know, marginalized communities and, and people of color, people that have been systemically and historically uh, left out um, from economic and social and political mobility. Um, you know, if we look at Capitol Hill, for example, um, which is such a, being a hill in turn is such a pipeline to actually working on the hill, um, you look at the workforce and it's predominantly old white men. Um, not many women, not many people of color. Um, so there's the lack of diversity in that in and of itself um, is an impediment and a social, um, socioeconomic barrier for uh, mobility and advancing your personal and professional career. Um, there was also a survey that came out that reported that 69% of students um, couldn't take an unpaid internship, but it was actually 76% of employers reported that relevant work experience 
was the number one thing they looked for in, in making hiring decisions. Um, so that kind of imbalance just speaks for itself. So like a chicken and egg thing, yeah, you know, definitely. like you can't get a job without having had a job, but nobody's gonna, you can't like take an unpaid internship if you can't afford to take an unpaid internship. So then what? Exactly. Yeah. So, so just to, to get really concrete on that first part of your answer, Griffin. So essentially if I'm 20 years old and I want to take this unpaid internship, the people who, who are most able to do that are folks whose families can support them. For right. Sure. So if my family, if my parents, if my extended family, whomever, says, oh, you want to go move to Washington, D.C. for six months or three months, we can pay your rent. Cool. Exactly. We can pay for your books so that you can also go to school at the same time. Okay, cool. We can buy your groceries. Groceries. You got to eat, right? We can pay your bus pass. Yeah, <laughs> bus pass. How are you going to get around? Yeah. Right? And for young people who don't have families or others who are willing to sponsor them and say, we're willing to pay for your rent, your food, your transportation while you live in some other city, that unpaid internship isn't a viable option, right? So essentially what you're doing is you're excluding a whole cohort of young people from these opportunities. And we know that money and race and ethnicity are linked in this country, and we can we can go through a whole historical sort of historic and structural racism and discrimination for why that is. We, we won't do it on this show, but we know those <laughs> things are linked, right? And so what we're doing is we're systematically through unpaid internships, excluding low income and many times communities of color from these opportunities. So Jalen, what's the what's the impact on someone's career, especially early career, of not being able to take an unpaid internship, of not having, as Griffin alluded to, the relevant work experience for that first hiring? I think people often look to internships and call your previous employers to see what you can do, how well you perform in a work environment. And if you don't get the opportunity to get into that work environment at first, if you can't even get your foot in the door because traveling to a new city, you need to pay rent, your phone bill, food, transportation, and all of these things that you don't have the funds set aside for already, um, you're kind of stuck in this revolving door. And I think the revolving door analogy kind of goes to um, poverty if we're talking about that. I think there's a way that poverty works to works generationally to keep people in uh, that system. And in talking about internships and kind of the wealth that is required to work and participate in unpaid internships, that's kind of a revolving door. You know people, your dad knows somebody, your uncle knows somebody that can get you in through the door, but if you don't have those prior connections, it's, it's really difficult. Yeah, and um, I really liked, uh, Griffin, the example that you used, um, and I think that you've just elaborated on here, Jalen. Uh, this is this is messing with our leadership pipeline for like years and years to come. The example that you used of um, of Capitol Hill when when you end up with a bunch of young, well off, often white, uh, unpaid interns on the Hill, and the only way you can get a job on the Hill is if you have experience on the Hill. Uh, it's no wonder that we've ended up with a, a Congress or um, you know congressional leaders that. Uh, look uh, the way they do. <laughs> and, and that's not just a diversity problem, right? Like, we should be outraged from a diversity perspective because that's that's just, it's unfair, right? But we should be also be outraged, and, and Charlotte, you alluded to this, because it's a leadership problem. If all the people around the table have similar experiences and grew up in similar circumstances, we're missing out on a whole swath of perspective. We're missing out on lived experience that's incredibly meaningful from a policy perspective. So we have folks on Capitol Hill and in state houses around this country making decisions about communities that they haven't engaged with, that they haven't grown up with, that they don't understand. And so what that results in is oftentimes bad policy. 
So it's a diversity issue because of a fairness issue, but it's a diversity issue because of impact and outcomes on the back end as yeah, well. It's Definitely. a hugely untapped labor market too. You're just not you're impeding your own ability to to hear the voices of thousands of other young people who could most likely very much advance your company, your organization's <laughs> goals, but just like uh, don't have the resources to be able to uh, afford that position. So as you as you all think about what sort of um, solutions exist here, how, like how do you see this? What do you what barriers are are you running into as you look to turn internships into paid internships? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of pushback from. Um, there's, there's pushback on, on a number of levels. The first one is something that you guys had mentioned earlier that uh, just the stereotype around young people that were apathetic, that were not engaged, that were lazy. Um, so we're, I mean, we were out there in the cold this morning making a point and proving, proving that wrong, that uh, no, actually we're here to make our voices heard and make a difference. Um, but there's also then the more practical and uh, more fundamental challenge of actually getting these companies and organizations to agree to pay their interns. Um, Thanks to the work of Pay Our Interns um, and a number of other organizations, Congress has appropriated over $14 million to pay congressional interns, but there's still a ton of work that needs to be done, um, specifically within the nonprofit and organizational field uh, who don't typically have um, all as many resources as co Congress or like pri private sector corporations. Um, so I think the government really does need to step up um, and appropriate funds on a, on a broader swath to provide subsidies, to provide grants, um, and create more mobility opportunities for uh, for young people. Yeah, because there's a there's a real there's a real sort of um, problem to be solved there in terms of resources are finite, and so we need to make sure that organizations have the resources to pay their interns. So we're gonna we're gonna take off for our next break here. We're talking with uh, with with Jalen and Griffin about pay our interns and the importance of paid internships uh, on the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. We'll be right back after this. Leslie Marshall. Real people. Real life. Real talk. Leslie Marshall Show. I am your co-host, Charlotte Hancock. And I'm Brent J. Cohen. Um, and uh, just a, a refresher for those who might not have caught ca might not have caught the first part of the show, um, today in studio we have Griffin Saul and Jalen Hutchinson um, of Interns for Change. Um, and uh, we're, you know, switching over from uh, some of the impeachment hearing stuff that you guys are probably inundated with. So, um Enjoy the change of scenery. <laughs> um, so, uh, Griffin, what are the next steps for Interns for Change? Um, will you guys continue working on this initiative moving forward? I know that um, you guys, you guys are students. Like, you have, you've got a lot on your plates. How do you, like, what's, what's, what are the, what are your plans? How do you, how do you <laughs> conceive of keeping it all together? You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so in advocating for uh on behalf of interns um or paid internships is never something that i i necessarily saw myself doing it's something that kind of fell into my lap and I, I guess that's the case with a lot of things um but it's it's a reality that um i'm super passionate about now because um, i'm a product of the unpaid internship system um and so i see big things for interns for change in the future uh, more importantly because i see big things for young people in our generation um you know we had our rally today but we're planning um to do another one again uh, in the following year and, and make the impact bigger and we're planning to 
expand this on a more national basis to college campuses and, and really tap into the larger um, Gen Z network um, to advocate and change this injustice. And, and for those of you who don't know what Gen Z is, that is the generation after millennials. <laughs> so quite literally the young people who are coming up right now, right? Um, up to the oldest members of Gen Z are 18, 19, 20 years old. Yeah, I think, I think we're the first. So tw- or I'm, yeah, you're probably the first, 20 yeah. and 21. Yeah. 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 So among among other things, y'all are voting. Yes. Right. Yes. And so, so that's and another thing, actually. We, we registered people to vote at the rally today, too. Heck um, yeah. <laughs> we we, we just important we wanted to make our voices heard um, by, by rallying. We, we know that uh, we have the, the impact to make decisions and, and uh, who's elected as well. Um, and Jalen, what are the next steps that you'd like to see be taken to ensure that all interns, interns, interns get paid for the important work that y'all are doing? Um, say what steps would I take? Yeah. Um, I think advocacy is really important and I think giving back to systems that you benefited from are very important. So um, I've benefited from like a plethora of scholarship programs and grant programs and stuff and so I intend to eventually create something like that, God willing, and um, <laughs> do just give back to a system that has given so much to me. Um, I Again, like a lot of people don't have the opportunity to take unpaid internships because they don't have the backing or the support um, and so I'm very, very grateful that I do, and I want to make sure that other students in the future will get that opportunity. Yeah, yeah and so, like, I I like, I like really want to draw out some of that, like, making sure that other students get um, further opportunities in the future. Like, what can employers do, or, like, what can people who are hiring do to sort of counteract some of the bias? You know, like, what, as me, for example, I'm looking at resumes, um, and I, I need to be thinking in my head about, like, how to make sure, if I'm hiring an entry-level employee, like, what's, like, what skills are valuable like how do I make sure that I'm not just hiring people who um, got like um, handed opportunities and in sort of considering people who also like maybe might not have gotten handed those opportunities and giving everybody a fair shot I think taking the time to interview people is very very important um, because resumes only tell part of the story um, me and Griffin were speaking about how we feel like we can sell ourselves better um, speaking rather than being having to type a resume or something like that um, ice cream uh, parlor experience and working at McDonald's is very valuable experience if you can articulate what you got from it and skills that you learned from it and how you're going to make that work for the company. Um, I feel like oftentimes employers won't necessarily take the time to interview people anymore. They will just look at the resume and then accept or deny based on that. And I feel like that excludes a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, we see, uh, not to make this too, you know, nationally political, but uh, Representative Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, who was a bartender not that long ago, and people on the right like to deride her for that experience, but the reality is it's been so impactful from my perspective and the way that she's approached her work as a member of Congress and really keeping in mind that foundational experience of saying, like, I know what it is to work in service-oriented jobs. I understand what it is to be paycheck to paycheck, and that's going to... Um, not just inform my perspective, but also my, my, my views on policy and understanding what will and won't be impactful as we as a congressional body say that we want to address things like minimum wage or address things like poverty or address things um, that so often impact communities that aren't represented on the Hill. Definitely, yeah. And she's actually been one of the m- most outspoken advocates for paid internships as well, which is probably a product of her own experiences. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that we were talking about uh, during the break, Jalen, that I want to just lift up here as well is the fact that um, having paid internships, there also stands to benefit employers as well. Definitely. Right. And so there's sort of the there's the macro 
opportunity, Charlotte, that you were talking about in terms of addressing bias and making sure that we've got different people in the room and we're hearing from different perspectives. And there's also the reality of having folks in the room who aren't falling asleep at their jobs mm -hmm. because they're working three side gigs. Definitely. And um, I think a big part of that is school. Like school is very hard, I think, for anyone, whether you're in school solely or whether you're in school working three jobs. Like it's a very demanding thing to be doing. And so um, I interviewed a student actually, and he was telling me about how he had to, he got fired from one of his jobs. I can't remember if he got fired or quit, but because he was falling asleep and he did not have the capacity to give 100% of himself to everything that he was involved in. Um, and that, I just really related to that. And I feel like a lot of, uh, Griffin brought up uh, Gen Z being uh, noted as lazy, and I think that's a thing that doesn't get considered very often is how expensive things are and how much people have to work if you don't have that familial support to to make things happen. Right, and um, kind of I think uh, how much past generations um, had more opportunities mm. um, and had a um, couple of um, other safety nets um, that you know, our generations and y'all's generation um, don't have. I mean, <laughs> I yeah. graduated in 2009 from college. I graduated into a recession. Nobody was hiring, you mm. know? I was like, there was sort of like, go to college, do the right thing, get your four-year degree. And I'm like, cool, check, did that. Um, and now I have a ton of student loan debt and nobody wants to hire, nobody wants to hire me despite like my my marketable skills that you told me that I was gonna have, you know? Um, so I moved back in with, with my parents I was working like 70 hour weeks, um, yeah. you know, waitressing um, and trying to do unpaid internships. And yeah, I just like, there's just, it's, it's not sustainable. <laughs> Especially with student loan debt. Like that's that, like we've never been at a point in this country where student loan debt has been so crippling to people. And I think um, understanding that your entry level position is going to be unpaid. Like it just, it's not sustainable. Like you said, I don't understand the way that students are supposed to, like escape from that it's it's really trapping almost yeah. yeah and I mean I appreciate your your thoughts about finding ways to give back um and that sort of thing but I also think that we really need to be talking about like systemic changes here Definitely. college did not used to be this expensive Definitely. you know people didn't use there wasn't um a gig economy in the way there is now that didn't give you job benefits that didn't give you health insurance that like uh kind of forced you to be driving um for you know uber or lyft like 16 hours a day mm. um that sort of thing um the things worked differently and they've sort of um, you know companies have offloaded a lot of the responsibilities um, of, of being able to be a sort of like healthy happy um, employee onto their employees instead of taking on those responsibilities for themselves yeah I mean the, o the OECD just came out with a report too for the first time ever our generation there are fewer occupational um, opportunities available to us than the generation that came before us. So like, if we don't take steps to address the, these like systemic problems and crippling um, disadvantages, then uh, we're, we're going down a, a spiraling path for future generations to come. So we have student debt, which is now more than $1.5 trillion, affects mm -hmm. one in three, I think it's 25 to 34-year-olds. You're not you, you guys aren't included in that because you're still in school, but you'll enter right into that, right? Yeah, don't worry. I'll have my, I'll have my student loan <laughs> debt. So, so it's affecting one in three young adults. I think it's one in six Americans overall. Uh, more than $1.5 trillion. Never before have we seen student debt like this. We're seeing it in large part because the cost of college has exploded. Uh, the investment from federal and state governments has not. Uh, and therefore, those least able to pay for this are, are accepting that burden, right, in terms of the students. Uh, we know that uh, communities of color, students of color, uh, borrow more uh, and default more on the back end. 
We know that it's not just because of the loans that are taken out, but also because of things like workforce discrimination, which is still far too common um, and doesn't just manifest itself in whether or not you get a job, but also whether or not you get paid the same amount for mm -hmm. that job, right? And there's gender imbalance, there's gender uh, injustice there as well. Uh, and so you, you have all of that, and I think, we, I think to, a, to a certain extent, folks sort of understand that, but now we need to add on this additional layer of, you may not even be able to get that good first job if you haven't taken an unpaid internship. And if you're taking out loans to pay for school, you may not be in a position to also take an unpaid internship, right? Mm -hmm. These things sort of go hand in hand. Uh, and so to Charlotte's point, systemic change, right? We're dealing with systemic interconnected structures and we need to address things for future generations like college affordability. We need to address things for current borrowers like student debt cancellation. Mm. I don't know if that means forgive 1.6 trillion or if that means you forgive some, you cancel, excuse me, cancel some targeted uh, percentage of that or some targeted amount of student debt cancellation. So we're making sure that we're addressing equity and getting it uh, uh, that to the folks who need it most. But these things need to happen and they need to happen hand in hand because a piecemeal approach isn't going to solve the type of structural not issues working. we're dealing with. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not working. Yeah. Um, I think we've got like a couple more minutes in this segment um, before we go to break, but uh, what should people do who want to get involved in this fight? Is there legislation on the horizon? Um, what are your recommendations for people who want to want to get involved and want to rally for something? Yeah, my knowledge is all grassroots right now. So uh, if you want to get involved, you can visit the Pay Our Interns website um, and contact us. Uh, via that platform. We're also on social media. Um, you know, we're, we're building a movement, um, and this movement needs you because it's about all of us, so I encourage you all to get involved. So what's that website address? It's uh, payourinterns.org. Pretty self-explanatory. Um, and what should people be calling their representatives and asking for? I mean, if there's no, if there is no bill on the horizon, or that there's, if you know, if if there's not something that comes off the top of your head, like that's a that's like a problem in and of itself, right? Like you guys are working on this, and if there's not something that pops into your brain that's like good enough, then they need to be call, people need to be calling their legislators and asking for something. Definitely asking for paid internship opportunities or a list of paid internship opportunities or entry level positions, like some form of letting regular people get in. Calling their also legislators. transparency, too. Like, yeah. say on your website if you pay your intern or not mm -hmm. so people can decide if they're actually eligible or not to apply. And you can see how that affects your applications because if you see that there's an internship that's not going to be paid, I guarantee you a lot more people aren't actually going to apply for that position. Yeah. So it's calling, um, making sure that there's sort of um, transparency, but then also maybe calling and asking uh, for people to be paid whatever the state minimum wage is, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, we can get back into uh, minimum wage um, <laughs> after the break and whether or not that is um, really doing what it needs to be doing. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, so there are lots of asks that people can be making to their legislators. Um, so I think we're about to go into our next commercial break here. You have been listening to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. Um, I'm your co-host, Charlotte Hancock. And I'm Brent J. Cohen. Um, we've been talking to Griffin Saul and Jalen Hutchinson of Interns for Change, and we will be right back after the break. I was searching for Welcome back to the Generation Progress Takeover. I'm your co-host, Brent J. Cohen. And I'm Charlotte Hancock. So we've been talking with uh, Jalen Hutchinson and Griffin Saul from Interns for Change about all the work that they're doing um, here in D.C. to make sure that interns are getting paid for the work that they're doing and, and that we're moving from unpaid to paid internships and all the reasons why that's important. 
But guys, I know your advocacy didn't start on this issue. You've been you've been active in your communities for some time, um, and so really want to just hear more about the work that you've been doing and are continue to do outside of this particular this particular area. So Jay, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about some of the things that you have going on back in Seattle or that you have uh, sort of on the horizon here. Did you just call him Jay. You just like I mean, we're friends now. We're friends now. We're friends. I mean, Jay Lynn Jay. There we go. The, the, the first five minutes, I was like, let's be highly professional. You know, we're 45 minutes in, and, and now we're old friends. We're friends Start with now. Mitch, Mr. Hutchinson, and now he's Jay. <laughs> Um, I did some work with Homeboy Industries in Los Angeles for a little bit. Um, and at my school, I am i think I mentioned at the beginning, a really big part of the United Students Against Sweatshops, um, which is a huge national uh, coalition of students. It's the largest coalition of students in the country, actually, um, that uh, work to counter um, wage theft and essentially like fight for labor rights um, globally. Uh, we break contracts like with Nike and people who have uh, a lot of stake in the game for keeping sweatshops alive. Um, and so that was a really big uh, motivator for me. One of uh, one of USAS's biggest things is collective liberation, this idea that nobody is free until we're all free. So all of these struggles against injustice are all intimately connected. Um, and I truly, truly wholeheartedly believe that. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And Griffin, can you share with us a little bit about some of the work that you've uh, been doing or or have got coming down the down the pipeline? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, so like I mentioned in the beginning, I founded a nonprofit called We Are Able. Uh, I founded it in honor of my father, and it works to raise awareness for people with disabilities by educating people on proper disability etiquette, engaging in a dialogue about the difference between offering sympathy and empathy, and then taking action on accessibility issues facing communities. to date, we've engaged over 1,500 people from 20-plus high schools. Uh, we have f- five ambassador programs in different colleges. Um, I've developed a corporate curriculum to uh, train companies on how they can increase their disability, equity, and inclusion. Um, and most recently, which I'm really excited about, is actually partnering with an organization called the Nora Project, which does really similar work. Um, because as I've gotten involved with social justice, the one thing I've realized is that I want to be an inch deep and a mile wide. Um, my issue is young people, uh, not necessarily just disability, not just paid internships. Um, it's making sure that there are more equitable pathways for young people um, going forward. Uh, so with this partnership, uh, my program is going to be institutionalized, and there are over 53 schools nationally, um, but it will also give me the freedom to pursue my own uh, other pa- uh, passion projects that I'm thinking of to, to f- uh, further engage young people. I think that's so interesting um, and important what you said. Um your your passion is young people. I feel like um, working at Generation Progress, um, we are a multi-issue organization, and that is because millennials and Generation Z are so diverse um, and facing um, a myriad of problems um, that need uh, addressing with a, like a hugely intersectional um, lens. You can't just like talk about one of these issues and like fix it in a silo um and so many of these issues disproportionately um impact young people because um people don't take us seriously um and because because we are so diverse we're uh, we're generations that are um made hugely of immigrants and growing um due to immigration to this country yeah, and the lives we live are intersectional lives, right? Mm-hmm. You don't get to stop being one thing so that you can turn your attention to the next thing. And as we talked about in the last segment about student debt and how that's directly connected to wage discrimination and directly connected to employment opportunities and directly connected to unpaid internships. And, like, 
we live intersectional lives. We're the most di diverse generations in the history of this country. And so having and investing in the leadership of young people to tackle this um, and to hear, I mean, you two are the examples, right, of why we should be investing in the leadership of young people, working with and for young people, young adults to do this work. Because, you know, quite literally, we're in a mess right now in this country. I don't mm -hmm. know if you've seen, there's impeachment here going on right now, <laughs> largely because the president of the United States tried to bribe a foreign nation. Um, and, you know, they're, not to turn this too much into impeachment, but more than 50% of Americans right now support impeachment and removal. You look at young adults, that's 66% and growing, two-thirds. And we've got, like, a pretty progressive um, listenership here on this show. Um, and I think that conservative organizations, con conservative youth orgs, um, are able to financially invest um, in, in their youth organizations um, and outspend progressive youth organizations at, like, mm -hmm. a rate of three to one or something like that. Um, and... I don't know. I don't know what it is that um, that progressives are like not seeing or doing wrong. But like, if we wanna if we wanna invest in the progressive movement, like start here. Like I'm mm -hmm. gesturing at this table, but like start right here in this room. Start with um, interns for change. You know? something like um, young people kind of aren't trusted or we're not held with esteem enough to like move things along. But I always, I at least always look at the elders and the things that got things done significantly in the past like civil rights movement was largely led by young people, young people. that's right angela davis like uc berkeley like this legacy of activism among students and among young people who feel a need to change and kind of get the ball rolling even looking at the parkland shooting victims like that's right it's young people that kind of have this energy greta and this Thunberg. motivation greta yeah. exactly yeah that's right in fact the legacy of uc berkeley is why i went there specifically mm. for that political Great. activism go so, cow go cow go bear so where 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 can folks find more about you on social media where can they follow the work that you're doing not just today but for years to come let's start with griffin saul yeah i'm uh, i'm on twitter at at griffin saul i spell it with an e not with an i um, and I'm on Instagram at griffin.saul. Uh, you can also follow We Are Able on Instagram um, and like us on Facebook um, for all the latest updates because there are big things to come for that organization as an umbrella movement for uh, youth empowerment. And Mr. Jalen Hutchison, <laughs> um, where, hello. where can we find you? <laughs> yes, I, um, Twitter and Instagram are both Black Lover Boy. Lover is no vowels, so B-L-A-C-K-L-V-R-B-O-Y. Um, I'm into photography, but I'm also very into... Um, activism and making a change and leaving <laughs> leaving something that's going to last so um and music me. he makes some music too awesome. a little bit you know but yeah <laughs> so we should we should follow you both on social media you've been listening to the generation progress takeover of the leslie marshall show you can find me at brent j cohen on twitter uh and you can find me charlotte hancock i'm charlatan c-h-a-r-l-a-t-a-n-n-e <laughs> all right thanks for listening <laughs>